everyone. Welcome to the Halloween episode of Fringe Appalachia. This is a short but fun segment that diverges a little bit from our usual interview format, but is chocked full of some fun Appalachian mystery and potentially supernatural occurrences. I'll let you guys be the judge. The Appalachian Mountains have a storied history woven together by decades of people who've often and proudly lived on the fringes. Here, we're all a little unconventional in our own right. Fringe Appalachia exists to demystify the other, whether they be in our midst or outside of our comfort zones. From the old-timers still living off the grid to the snake handlers, halfbacks, and dreaded Southern Democrats, you're all welcome here on the fringes. With punctual regularity, the light rises in the southeasterly direction from the point of observation just over the lower slope of Brown Mountain. First, about 7.30 p.m., and again at 10 o'clock. It looks much like a toy fire balloon, a distinct ball with no atmosphere about it. It is much smaller than the full moon and much larger than any star. And that's a quote from the Morganton Fishing Club made in the Charlotte Daily Observer in 1913. In the pitch black night sky, just above Brown Mountain, North Carolina, lies a mystery that has marveled and puzzled Appalachians for well over a century, with the first documented sighting occurring as early as 1908. These mysterious lights appear as glowing orbs that hover in the sky above the mountain before quickly disappearing or seeming to silently explode. They have been described as white, red, yellow, orange, and blue, spanning in size from large balls of fire to small candle lights, floating near the ground and rising up to the sky. The best time of year to catch a glimpse of the brown mountain lights is during the months of October and November, especially after a good rain, with the most popular viewing spots, including the Brown Mountain Overlook and Wiseman's View. The Brown Mountain Lights have been featured in an episode of The X-Files, served as the inspiration for supernatural thrillers, and been named by National Geographic as one of the three best places to experience a natural wonder. The theories for their origin span everything from supernatural entities to mineral deposits train headlights and natural gases. In this episode, we'll walk through some of the most popular theories and anecdotes surrounding these famous, ghostly Appalachian apparitions. Much of the folklore and discussion around the lights didn't appear until the early 1900s, on the heels of Jules Verne's 1906 novel, Master of the World. An important plot point in the novel consists of a mad scientist constructing an airship inside his secret lair in Table Rock. Many attribute interest in this story, coupled with the emergence of electricity in many areas surrounding Brown Mountain, as the culprit for false reports of seeing a supernatural wonder. Around the same time, Southern Railways also began to upgrade their locomotive headlamps to an output greater than that of many White Houses in operation at the time. In 1913, a U.S. geological survey concluded that the Brown Mountain Lights were simply headlights from those locomotives. But when the train tracks were washed away three years later in a flood, the mysterious lights continued to appear. Some say 
that according to Cherokee legend, around 1200 AD, a great battle was fought between the Cherokee and Catawba tribes at Brown Mountain. The mysterious lights are said to be maidens still searching for their men who died in battle. The first publication that made claims related to this Native American folklore was the Asheville Citizen in 1938, but no sources were provided. Some experts on historical Native American traditions state that this is simply a myth that was invented by white people to try and justify their own beliefs in the lights. Other supernatural stories from the 1900s include a tale about a woman and a baby who were murdered in Jonas Ridge, ghosts from revolutionary and Civil War soldiers, and even claims that the lights were caused by aliens. This extraterrestrial theory was featured in a magazine called the Argosy, which encouraged people to make the voyage to Brown Mountain in order to witness an actual UFO firsthand. A gentleman named Ralph Lael used to display what he claimed was a mummified alien in his shop and published a book that claimed he encountered aliens on Brown Mountain who abducted him and took him to their home planet of Venus. Josiah Lafayette Wiseman, better known as Fate, gave what some consider the oldest known report of a strange light near Brown Mountain. According to oral tradition from the Wiseman family, sometime around 1854, young Fate was camping at Wiseman's View with his father when he first noticed a flash of light in the distance. He claimed to have seen the same flash on the horizon about the same time each night. After years of listening to old bear tales, Fate's great-nephew, Scotty Wiseman, penned a now-famous tune called Legend of the Brown Mountain Lights. In 1982, Morganton resident Tommy Hunter claimed that he actually touched the lights at the Highway 181 Overlook when he looked over the edge and saw a hovering ball of light. He described the sensation as sticking his finger in a light socket. Six other people were with Tommy that night and corroborated his story. A symposium was held in 2011 with paranormal investigator Joshua Warren and Dr. Daniel Catan, a professor of physics and astronomy at Appalachian State University. The two debated the merits of paranormal and scientific theories, with Warren's interest stemming from his own personal experience as a child in the region, where he once saw a ball of light climbing up through the trees and ascending into the sky at Brown Mountain. Warren has concluded that these lights are actually spook lights, also known as will-o'-the-wisps, foxfire, jack-o'-lanterns, or ignis fatuus, which is Latin for fool's fire. He says that when gas is released into the air, it spreads and diffuses into the atmosphere. Thus, the brown mountain lights cannot be gaseous as they appear to be self-contained, concentrated balls of light which can maneuver the mountain independently. He further justifies the supernatural nature of these apparitions by saying these lights are far too bright to be produced by a known natural gas, and they frequently appear in dry conditions and do not ignite any portion of the woods as they move through the trees. Even as recently as 2016, the Charlotte Observer featured an article that Forest Service officers had reported close-up encounters on the mountain with beach ball-sized orbs that floated by and then vanished. Later that year, scientists from Appalachian State, including Dr. Catan, believed to have captured images of the Brown Mountain Lights on two digital cameras. Though the cause is still inconclusive, the most popular theories amongst scientists include ball lightning and naturally occurring gases. 
Dr. Catan was quoted in an interview with WLOS saying, this is the first time we've had a dual detection, which is they captured the phenomena on both cameras. He continued saying, it was something out there. It came on and went back off virtually instantly, four times over several minutes. We've eliminated all the things that are likely man-made natural sources. So we're left with no real explanation other than it's whatever the lights might actually be. Writer Sherry Jackson of CarolinaCountry.com said it best. So are the lights real? That's not even a question anymore. The question now is, what are they? For now, at least, they are simply one of North Carolina's greatest mysteries. We'll close out this mystery with a tune from bluegrass musician Scotty Wiseman, nephew of fate, entitled Legend of the Brown Mountain Lights. In the days of the old covered wagon, where they camped on the flats for the night, with the moon shining dim o'er the old canyon rim, they watched for that brown mountain light. Thank you.